0: Throughout my life here, I have been hearing the same word over and over again, potential, potential, potential. And my ultimate dream is to see that potential that has been repeated so many times to actually realize itself.
1: This podcast interviews the real people in Kiev to share their life and work, as well as showing the interesting places, events, art, culture, and economic opportunities in Kiev. The goal is to help more foreign investors discover the reality of life in the capital of Ukraine so that the Ukraine economy receives more foreign investments, which creates more opportunities for the Ukrainian people to have a better life. My guest today is Malik Bennett. Malik speaks Ukrainian, Russian, English, and French, and he grew up in Kiev, born to a Lebanese father and a Ukrainian mother. He was an intern at Kiev Post and is now a student at the London School of Economics and Political Science. He was 12 during the Ukrainian Revolution and lived just a few blocks away. Malik, how are you today?
0: I'm great. Thank you so
1: much for having me here today. I'm really, really happy to have you. Especially that you have such an exotic background. Can you tell the story that made you Malik, the the person you are today? Yes, I guess just like anyone else, it started with my parents.
0: Uh, my father is Lebanese, as you have mentioned, and he came to study in Ukraine for medicine during the Soviet times, where was where the education in. The Soviet Union was heavily propagated as having very good qualities back then. That was the 90s, 80s, um, uh, closer to early 80s. And uh, that's where he met my mother at the same medical university. My mother is uh, from Volyn, Western region of Ukraine, but they met in Kiev. And after finishing their medical studies, uh, my father decided to pursue uh, uh, business. So he went into the import business with a Turkish company uh, that uh, manufactures chocolate. Um, and eventually that led him to starting his own restaurant here in Kiev, uh, a confectionery, patisserie, confectionery and restaurant altogether. It was an ambition, ambitious project from the verily, from the very beginning. And so, yeah, it was an interesting path he took, uh, not based on his degree whatsoever. And uh, he had three healthy, happy children. I have two sisters. They also both study abroad. I guess from my background would be I went to an international school here in Kiev, uh, which I'm very fond of and have great memories here. And I met a lot of foreigners during my time here in Kiev. So I'm very well linked to the expat community here. So I've been in an international environment my whole life uh, despite being here in Kiev and uh, that led me to pursuing education abroad overseas and I guess that that would be my background.
1: Look, the obvious question that comes to my mind is of course you speak English very well since you grew up and studied in an international school and to ask you as me a person who lived in Kiev for a while I have found that the average level of speaking of foreign languages, maybe except German, which seems, seems to be quite common, but when it comes to English, it isn't that high. First, did you speak, like, did you have a group and you are connected to a lot of people who spoke English because of your school? And did you speak often Ukrainian and Russian with uh, day-to-day, or was it even with your family speaking English?
0: Uh, I'll answer the the last question first. Uh, both very good questions. So at home, um, we all spoke Russian, despite uh, my mother coming from Western Ukraine. And originally uh, she spoke Ukrainian at home. But because of my dad and because uh, of his degree, like many foreigners that came here to study during the Soviet Union, everything uh, was in Russian and uh Uh, actually when my dad came here from lebanon he's a muslim and he was forced uh, to learn um, the studies of lenin as he calls it so basically uh, they would go have a class every morning on history of lenin uh, marxism angle and communism essentially and uh, the muslim religion was frowned upon, though my dad wasn't very vocal about it uh, during his studies. But regardless, uh, because of my father, everybody spoke Russian because my dad had to learn Russian. And um, uh, bring back to the first language, your observation is correct. Um, I I consider myself fortunate enough to be in an international school here. I know there are Ukrainian schools that um, uh, offer English courses and English languages. But and other foreign languages, but uh, from what I've experienced and the people I've met, it's uh, really about the teacher you have at your Ukrainian school. Uh, if you are lucky enough to find someone who's passionate about the language, um, then that can kindle some kind of inspiration. For example, uh, in Kiev Post, I worked with some Ukrainian journalists who did not have a degree Uh, in English or studied in English ever in their life. Many of them just actually uh, read The Economist or The New Yorker magazine and that's how they picked up on their English lessons or they learned it independently, which I found amazing. And uh, most of them had some Ukrainian teachers in high school, but it never really translated to anything. Um, Whereas for me, uh, from the very early beginning, the Kiev International School, uh, that I went to uh, offered intensive English courses, so right from kindergarten you are uh, matched in a group. There are obviously a lot of foreign kids uh, who are, for example, children of diplomats, so they don't have to go through these intensive courses, but a lot of Ukrainian kids like myself, we are put in a special group, uh, which is basically uh, kind of like English for dummies for a while. and that's how i was able to grasp english so quickly but it was never from like walking on the kiev streets and you know interacting with anyone it was basically in my tight-knit circle in school and i have two sisters who spoke english at home we kind of actually mi- mixed we sort of had this Orung- runglish language if you will at home Uh, where uh, we spoke like a hybrid of Russian and English, you know, to avoid our parents eavesdropping. So that's essentially how I was able to continue
1: uh, English here. I love it. It's the first time I hear that word, Runglish, and it sounds like a lot of fun. And obviously, since you were someone from a mixed background growing up in Ukraine, I would like to know from your own perspective, Is the Ukrainian economy, uh, uh, Ukrainian culture and society very accepting of people who have a background like yours? Or how was it growing up uh, without those 100% Slavic roots? Uh, Yes. uh, Well,
0: I'll start from a a bit lighter themes. Um, I, I think it was a bit of a disadvantage for me Uh, not to be this fully Ukrainian, Slavic, blonde, blue-eyed boy. Um, uh, In terms of that, uh, I'd have uh, trouble with uh, if I would meet any groups of Ukrainian kids uh, through my family, friends or whatever, outside of my school circle. It would be a bit tough to relate to them, to understand their jargon, their music taste. Uh, especially, you know, when you're young, mostly you just talk about what's on top of like Spotify or billboard charts, stuff like that. And uh, a a lot of the Ukrainian youth would be fans of uh, Russian rap, uh, music genres like that. And I felt like I never really fit in. So uh, you can say that I put this uh, social bubble lived in this social bubble for, for most of my life, uh, where I just interacted with other international kids from my school. A lot of them mixed race like me. Uh, a lot of them also like had Ukrainian, Ukrainian mother and a foreign father. Uh, and, um, speaking on a bit harder subject for me, uh, would be, I guess it would be. I never experienced it myself firsthand, but um, in any society, there will be prejudice of of, uh, alien cultures. And um, I know that uh, being half Muslim and half Ukrainian, half half Lebanese, half Ukrainian here, um, there were a few jokes uh, around, but nothing ever too serious. I was never really racially profiled to an extent that i found offensive. like i remember i was once in a clinic with my father um uh, that was actually around 10 11 and i had the chicken pox uh and my father um as i mentioned here uh, he studied in ukraine his whole life has a medical degree um and has lived here ever since and uh, we were getting consultation from a doctor and my father started speaking to the doctor in fluent Russian, uh, conversing with her. But, you know, because from the physical looks of my father, she started to explain my symptoms and whatever I was having in English. Uh, my dad first started laughing and he asked her to, like, it's okay, you can." we can continue to converse in Russian. But she nonetheless continued uh, to speak in English. And I don't know whether that was to uh, show class her uh s- skills in foreign languages uh, but at, at the same time you can see that there's this slight tension but it, it never amounted to anything serious uh, so in, in general I found the Ukrainian environment v- very acceptive uh, in terms of humor if you're easily offended I guess uh, that would not be a good thing here um, because uh, Ukrainian people like to laugh uh, a lot. But otherwise, generally, I, I have
1: a very optimistic outlook. But yet again, this is just one case. Thank you. And you mentioned something to keep things positive, that Ukrainian people like to laugh a lot. Well, to foreigners who weren't born there and don't understand the culture, it seems like Ukrainian people are very serious, very stoic, They have their shields on their faces. It's like masks on or whatever that don't express emotions. So it seems like a bit of a shock or surprise that you're saying that. Can you explain to someone who is from outside Ukraine, what is like the personality, the typical personality that characterizes someone from Kiev or Ukraine or what is the culture in a word that can uh, in words that can be good reference to someone from outside
0: uh well I'd have a phrase is take your time, take your time to get to know the Ukrainian people better because just like anyone else who has uh, a dominant culture uh, you know around them they they have a sense it's more of like you know usually uh you expect the foreigner coming to for example Kiev to have a cultural shock around them, but I'd say it's Mostly Ukrainians themselves, they'd have cultural, these cultural shocks at time and through the experiences of my father, uh, because I was born here, I never had to face with it. I was like natural born Ukrainian. But for my father is that uh, for a lot of his Ukrainian friends uh, and the bonds that he has, very strong bonds that he has with the Ukrainian community today, it took some time to develop. It it, it didn't happen uh, in a matter of uh, seconds or even a few encounters And generally, the Ukrainian people, as you said, uh, stoic and reserved in the nature at first. But once they open up, you'll see that they are the most welcoming and heartwarming people. Uh, And there's no way to sugarcoat it. People who have been through a lot economically, politically. And that uh, even from this um, old remnants of the Soviet mentality might have a certain... Let's say skeptical uh, view on foreigners and foreign intentions. Uh, However, you know it's it's been a tug of war between those that are uh, Europe oriented who have traveled Europe. uh, seek a Euro-Atlantic path for Ukraine and those that are generally the more elderly and more closer to the east, easternmost part of Ukraine that uh, prefer to remain a stronghold of this uh, bond with Russia and other countries of that sort. So uh, as I said, just uh, what I would say to any foreigner is take your time because it's worth it in the end. Don't be
1: too quick to judge. I love what you are saying because that shows the political scientist in you and in my experience, which might be a surprise and a shock to many. I found that Ukrainian people are more warm and friendly than Brazilian people, which is the opposite stereotype. I found that Brazilian people, because of the rate of criminality there, they're really, really, really mistrusting of other people and of each other while in ukraine at least to foreigners i found people to be helpful and very good and the only barrier if there is one it's the language barrier where people might feel a bit uncomfortable speaking in english if they don't master it and russian or ukrainian is not an easy language and to keep things a bit lighter since you're an expert and your father is like uh, a gourmet expert as well which are your favorite places to go out in Kiev whether it's like a park or a street or a restaurant or something and where do you think are the places where the most delicious food and uh, bakeries would be
0: Well, my answer might seem a little biased here, because as I've mentioned, uh, it it would be the French restaurant of my parents uh, located in the heart of Kiev. Uh, But to remain more fair to the overall restaurant industry here in Kiev, I believe it to be truly the gem of Kiev. Uh, And actually all of Ukraine, because I did travel to other places like Lviv and Odessa. And it's uh, a similar restaurant landscape there in terms of quality. So through all my 18 years here, um, I've met a lot of foreigners. uh, And sure, everybody has different cultural experience, but not a single time did I hear anyone say anything negative in regards to uh, restaurants and food in Kiev. And I believe uh, the restaurant industry here, it's a bit of a paradox when you look at the overall Ukrainian economy and certain uh, stagnations it faced. But uh, before COVID-19, um, uh, restaurants were opening up and booming. Uh, I know for a fact it's because uh, my dad is a keen observer because our restaurant was open since uh, 1991. and. Uh, uh, one of the oldest, actually, in Kiev. And uh, uh, he w- always wanted to keep this competitive edge so we would observe how many new entries into the restaurant market there has been. And uh, even after the 2014 shakeup, we continued to see uh, a lot of new restaurants. And what I'm amazed with is how how, and I think that's what all foreigners here will agree with me, is how cheap Ukrainian food is. But at the same time, uh, there is no trade-off on quality. And we see a lot of restaurants around Kiev on the city center. I think there are more restaurants than there are banks or pharmacies. Uh, It's very prevalent around Kiev. And they are different concepts, you know, different cuisines. We see Asian cuisine, Asian fusion. We see Mexican. uh, We see American. uh, And, you know, I've traveled around Europe. And sure, if you go to like uh, Naples or Milan, uh, Rome or, you know, some French capital city, Paris uh, uh, or some other gourmet Michelin star restaurants, you know, uh, there's defi- it's a definitely a sight to behold. But, you know, I never really missed them uh, when I came back home because uh, there are so many restaurants here in Kiev. Uh, and, you know, they are very accepting of foreign cuisine, and they advertise it, they market it, and it's Ukrainian entrepreneurs. I know, for example, there's a chain here of uh, Asian restaurants, uh, you might have heard, uh, China High, Vietnam High, and I think Japan, Thailand High. Thailand High is the last, third one. And the owners of it, uh, my parents personally know the owners, and they are incredibly ambitious <coughs> under-30-year-old, under 30-year-old restaurant owners that uh, took their time, traveled all over Asia and opened their business here in Ukraine, uh, which has been successful in every And it's modern, it's invigorating, and all foreigners love it. So uh, I think that restaurant and the industry here is one of the very optimistic indicators of how hardworking, Uh, accepting of foreign cultures
1: and resilient the ukrainian peoples are i agree with you i was surprised a lot about the quality of food it's excellent in kiev as well as the coffee i mean it's equal to what you you mentioned napoli and milano but i don't even think that in italy there is often you can find better coffee than what you can find in kiev which was a surprise to me since it wasn't known worldwide as a capital of um, gourmet capital or of coffee. And to ask you two two things that are unrelated, but you can comment briefly on one before moving to the other. What do you think or get from your father that uh, will be the future or the short-term future of the restaurant industry because of COVID? So that's one. And the second is, how was your experience going from Kiev and moving to London? What difficulties or what differences did you um, experience and feel about the culture and the people? All right. So in regards
0: to the first uh, question at hand, which was um, the short-term impact of restaurants here in Kiev... um, I guess this would be a combination from you know the news that I receive uh from the media here and uh my father's personal experience is that uh they had to lay off some of the workers here um and a lot of it was because during the heavy lockdown when restaurants were forced uh to function mainly on takeouts um uh for us uh, I guess before COVID-19, only about 10%, if not less, of the revenue would be generated from takeaway orders. And it slightly increased during the pandemic as it was the only option. But nonetheless, a huge chunk of the revenue uh, was lost during the time. And we still had to pay the rent, uh, the utilities fees and all uh, all that. Um, So uh, there was really no choice for a lot of restaurant owners than to lay off workers. Uh, trust me, it was not, not, not a cho- an easy choice to make, but one that restaurants needed to, to survive. And as we've seen, some were not fortunate enough to survive, but paradoxically, and I think the restaurant sphere itself paradox is the perfect adjective here, paradoxical. Um, is that we even saw restaurants opening during the pandemic, um, which just shows you how incredibly resilient, once again, Ukrainian rest- restaurant entrepreneurs are. Uh, and I know that uh, we recently had um, the quarantine on weekends. So it was the weekend lockdown, uh, which was stopped, I think, a few weeks ago. Uh, so it was an We can call it an unsuccessful proposition from the government because then the Ministry of Health itself conceded that it wasn't reaping any uh, true benefits or results apart from harming small businesses and restaurants. Um, my father is a part of the restaurant association here in Kiev, uh, which is over a hundred restaurators and uh, restaurant peoples and They were uh, lobbying uh, against these measures, and I I would concur quite successfully. Uh, You'd think that, you know, uh, everyone has this competitiveness in the restaurant market, but when it comes to tough times, I was uh, happy to see that there's a sense of solidarity amongst uh, the restaurant owners here in Kiev. Um, And the second question, um, which was... London. London, right, London. Okay, so the first uh I'll humor you a bit here. Uh, the first was when I came uh, to London I thought how incredibly expensive everything was. Uh, and you know, I actually had to start learning how to cook for myself because usually uh, you know as a kid uh, who, whose parents own a restaurant, you never have to worry about something like this. Uh, but I actually started uh, to uh, learn how to save on groceries, how to. Cook and even use leftovers to cook because um, uh, as I was able to go out uh, to restaurants, evenings, dinners, uh, even for drinks with my friends here, I was not able to afford the same luxury and put COVID aside. I was not able to afford the same luxury there in London. And that happens with a lot of Ukrainians. Uh, And I think foreigners that come there, there, the London prices are incredibly high. And, you know, I've been to a few restaurants, but can I say that you can't find the same here in Kiev in regards to concepts or uh, food quality? No, I can't because literally I would be able to draft you any recommendations. I can get you an analogous restaurant here in Kiev for a much cheaper price. And the qual, like I said, no compromises on quality. The only thing might be, you know, perhaps the architecture. Maybe there's something, um, unbelievable about uh, having afternoon tea next to the Buckingham Palace but you know th- those are all very city specific uh, type of things so uh, in London I found everything to be expensive which when I got back here for a uh, vacation with my family and to help out with the family uh, business during the winter I was very very happy and pleased because uh, I, I, I kind of took it for granted how uh, easy it was for me to go out with friends uh, and uh, all, all of that. And n- none of this is COVID-related. Uh, obviously, all socially distanced rules applies. Just saying in the UK, I'm talking about just prices and the agency uh, people have, especially foreign people have. Like when I invite a few friends from abroad to Kiev, uh, a lot of times we spend a bulk of our times like in restaurants or entertainment centers, uh, at least before we used to. And the foreign, the, they are very pleased with how much they're able to afford here.
1: That's fascinating. And, you know, first, just to understand are you the oldest brother of, uh, with two sisters, or are you the uh, middle no, no, child no. Two or the youngest? Elder what is sisters. Exactly. Um, so um, one your is uh, in her 30s, and the other one situation. is around
0: 20, it's 27. And they both, um, they both study abroad. Well, uh, they studied abroad. They both actually work abroad now.
1: Great. So to to speak about culture, how are uh, are you like? Are your sisters more Ukrainian than you, or are you more Ukrainian than them? Because sometimes the first child, compared to the others, is a lot more similar to his parents or father than not. Can you speak a bit about the dynamic of growing up in such a? multicultural family uh yeah uh,
0: in terms of personal traits i'd say yes they're a bit similar to my parents but if we're talking about uh what it means to be ukrainian and i think uh, in itself a ukrainian identity apart from being a generally good person if we talk about uh, having ukrainian culture speaking the ukrainian language if you want a true authentic sense, and you know, uh, after my studies, I would argue that simply speaking Ukrainian or uh, coming from uh, having, you know, like my mother, she had very Ukrainian, uh, stereotypically Ukrainian grandparents who were who lived in a village, raised her in a village, and then she would go to this cosmopolitan town of Kiev to study. I would argue that it's not all that it means to be Ukrainian and that the, the Ukrainian is a very... Uh, it, it's never this homogenous mix. Uh, you, I'd argue that Ukrainians are multi, uh, more multi-ethnic than it seems and that they have cultural, other cultural bonds apart from the language. Uh, but if if we're speaking about that, this true sense of Ukrainian authenticity, I don't think any any of us were able to sort of uh grow up on that because um being in kiev uh, mostly everyone here speaks russian you know that that that's would be the first and obvious hit um uh, secondly mm, as i've mentioned being in an international environment you know you kind of uh get you grow up being wired differently and then you know you resort to um your comfort zone, which is like English speakers and in international, which is why when all, when all three of us, you know, studied abroad, uh, we had no problem making friends in the international uh, environment because we all went to these universities either in England or in Switzerland. And um, here, uh quite funny, I find this and I, I that's where me and my sisters kind of diverge is that I have a few uh, Ukrainian friends outside of school, uh, like neighbor friends who I grew up with. Uh, and my sisters they when they come here to visit, it's solely to visit my parents, they don't really have any uh, social ties left here. and uh, you know, I, I find I found that a bit weird. Uh, As to why that happened, but you know, it 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 shows that truly, it's there's there's really a lot more to it than just language and culture. It's a lot more complex.
1: I agree, one hundred percent. And Malik, what are your future plans? I know you're studying now at uh, the London School of Economics and Political Science. What is your goal? What is your future dream?
0: Uh, my future dream. Well, unlike my sisters, I chose a path that would take me back to Ukraine. Uh, and you know, I kind of stumbled uh, on the response there at the end, and I think I, I have the idea more or less now in my head. It's about the youth and um, Ukraine, and how 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 to encourage and convince. Uh, The youth to stay here uh, in Ukraine, uh, which has been, as we saw with the whole pandemic, uh, one of uh, President Zelensky's stated goals was uh, to kind of uh, mitigate this, uh, uh, the brain drain of the economy that Ukraine faced, you know, with the large migrations of uh, young, uh, hardworking Ukrainians to Poland where they sought uh, better uh, salaries to either send, you know, remittances back home to their families or start lives of their own. And I think, you know, my sisters, uh, they received an education here. Um, They're grateful uh, for their time here. You know, they were born and raised here. They have Ukrainian grandparents, a Ukrainian mother. But they chose a path that, you know there's no way to go around it. They would stay and work in Europe for the rest of their lives. You know, one of them already started a family there. I had initially a very different mentality. Uh, I don't know whether, because this, uh, I would say one of the big factors is like I've mentioned, you mentioned in the very beginning in my bio is that uh, I was uh, a young, um, a very young uh, teen. You can say, uh, well, young enough to understand what was happening at the time. or well, old enough, excuse me. Uh but still too young to understand all the nuances which I'm only being able to comprehend now. The Euromaidan revolution. And you know, uh this is not just uh specific to me. A lot of my friends they still have this feeling of hope, of dreaminess for Ukraine, for um uh, its progression for its institution building and living up to the european standards in many ways uh, most significantly the the economy uh, and i wanted to be a part of that change ever since and be but as i grew up i started to see more of the problems inherent problems that uh, ukraine had especially politically like i think it's I although I'm not a political analyst or expert here I've heard enough to get a sense that for foreigners uh Ukraine as a political risk when it comes to investments is still uh, pretty high which is not surprising with the ongoing war that has been dragging on uh with uh, the Russian neighbor for quite a while now and uh, my future plan is uh I want to specialize in I'm selecting my courses specifically to focus on the security issues at hand, uh, specifically the Russia-Ukraine conflict, which I want to write my dissertation on uh, in my third year of university. And I essentially want to find a step forward uh, for this whole conflict. And uh, I want to understand because, you know, you have this, we've seen the will of Ukrainian peoples. Uh, They made their will with a demonstration, uh, a sign of popular sovereignty. But what comes next? And when it comes to true nation building, we toyed around with different, uh, we chose a very pro-Ukrainian president and then we chose uh, a younger uh, president, Zelensky, who was hopefully going to take us on the same track. But then recently we've seen a lot of what the West would concede as successful reforms being compromised. Uh, most recently the example that I can bring is the constitutional court here in Kiev that was considering to basically nullify the law that would require all, uh, PMs and lawmakers here in Ukraine, politically involved persons to declare their assets online. Um, so uh, just generally there are a lot of power structures i guess we can call them that uh, in the ukrainian environment who have riddled the ukrainian political landscape for quite a while and they obviously have economic landscape the two are not uh sorry economic interests so the two are not mutually exclusive uh and it's it's really been fascinating taking the ukrainian case and studying it so this is what I want to continue doing and then I would like to come back to Ukraine after my studies and be a part of uh, a solution, uh, a more pragmatic solution uh, that would, first of all, not compromise on Ukrainian integrity uh, and secondly, give Ukrainians the standards of living that they truly deserve and that they have been fighting for for so long you know no matter uh, what the political differences uh, or uh, ties they have uh, whether it's with the west or with russia at the end of the day uh, ukrainians want stable lives and a stable economy Um, and the biggest question is how do we go about bringing that It's, it's, it's very early on for me uh, so I'm trying to keep an open mind. Uh, I, I was raised after the revolution to be like much of, uh, my friends here to be anti Russia, have a very sordid kind of, um, and antipathy towards Russia. Um, but, and it's been a challenge to keep an open mind in conversations, but I guess that's the beautiful thing about, you know, studying in London is that. I have a lot of Russian counterparts who I have great debates with. And, uh, you know, being kind of isolated from this whole environment, it keeps casts all your emotions aside. So you do know all the problems at stake, but at the same time uh, you can go about it in a more less emotional way and more pragmatic way. So, um, And I think uh, with that will come for an investment because Ukraine – I hear a lot of people saying, everyone agrees, doesn't matter where they're from, about Ukraine's potential. And, you know, throughout my life here, I have been hearing the same word over and over again, potential, potential, potential. And my ultimate dream is to see that potential that has been repeated so many times to actually realize itself. Uh, And, you know, with that, foreign investment will come, I think, you know the the recent uh, law on the you know removing the moratorium of land is is a good step for foreign investment which i fully support it but we saw the political outbursts it caused from you know other demographics of ukraine which are all politically uh, you know motivated so there are a lot of obstacles that might be in the way but you know you hope for the
1: best Thank you. And on that message of hope, I like that you're going to return and to make the future of Ukraine to your best of your ability, as well as reducing the brain drain. That's an absolutely great mission and life purpose. How can people connect with you? Where can they find you? What are your links, Malik? Uh, well, I've indicated you my uh, my Instagram,
0: and I'm also available on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, social, uh, mostly, almost every social platform there is. You just have to type in my name, Malik Banat, and then you would find me. I'm also a part of the Ukrainian society at my respective university, and. Um, uh, just i would be happy to reach out i would be happy to drop my email as well uh when i wrote for the kiev post a lot of people
1: uh, approached me through my email so um yeah thank you very much it was a pleasure and i wish you a great day malik thank you so much and thank you for inviting me here and once again uh, i'm in love with your
0: podcast i love the idea behind it uh, and i wish you all the best and luck and in the future so thank you once again for inviting me it's been a pleasure you're
1: welcome and thank you